You hear it all the time, right? Content is king. And then I imagine that most programming staff, they can suffer from tilting their heads slightly to the left as someone politely whispers, revenue is king. I think we can uh, say that both are amazingly important as we roll through 2022. It's going to be here before you know it. Welcome to the Radio Rally on the Clubhouse app. What you are about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, and of course, hearing the stories of some really amazing radio people and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. Today's live event will also be a podcast called the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and will be available uh, probably within 30 minutes or so from the last time we speak a word on this live event. Wherever you get your podcast so later tonight, boom, you'll be able to find it. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Meet our guests live on the Clubhouse app or subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. We've been very intentional. We have two those two podcasts. The first one is the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, and the the second one is the one that you're listening to now, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and both are available on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you get your podcast. Today, November the 8th, 2021, man, where is this year gone? Chase Patrick Murphy is with us, brand manager, marketing, published author. And by the way, check this out. Also with us today, Dennis Glasgow, program director of WONKFM iHeartMedia in Washington, D.C. Before we get started with the guest to this live event right now on Clubhouse, don't forget next Monday, Chuck Nance will be with us. He does Afternoon Drive on Country 103.7, Charlotte, North Carolina. He also says that you have to add this in. He the professional tailcoat rider for Debbie Nance. They do uh, that program together, by the way. And of course, you can see our guest calendar all the way into November. Well, actually, you can see it all the way into January now at RainmakerPathway.com. We have encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series and even more encouragement for local sellers with something called encouraging sales success. And of course, we have free resources for anyone earning a living in the radio business today. We don't lock away anything on our site like some consultants do. So go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free from our team. Please follow the people on the stage at this event tonight and look around the room to connect with others while you are here inside the Clubhouse app. And by the way, if you're listening on the podcast, you missed the live event. Here uh, is a place where we are here to encourage your broadcast career, and we are pretty serious about that. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Higher ratings are not a mystery. It's a practice. It's actually what we do. Our clients love our exclusive products like our Music Lab, which prevents music drift, our Branding Candy, which hyper-focuses your brand images for success, and our morning show fame development coaching that puts the accent and the action in the right place to create correct 
audience consequences. I call that higher ratings. If you know somebody who needs higher ratings, would like a little help, you can have them reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Let's check in with Corey Dillon from 100.7 Big FM in San Diego. How are you, Corey? Oh, I'm just uh, delightful after uh, like five hours of sleep, I think. <laughs> Daylight well, saving time. It's good to be here, though. Yeah, well, we, we, we knew this would be a perfect time to match you up with us, and it would be kind of fun. So I spotted on your Facebook page mm. something that I thought interesting, and I, I thought, you know what? I might just ask you to simply lay them out because what I'm about to ask about marries pretty well with the encouragers and what we're doing. Can you share with us six things mentally strong people do? Okay, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Okay, here oh, we yeah. go. I found it, I found it. I forget you are going to ask me about that. You know um, what? There's always wisdom on Facebook, right? Right, right. And I found this, and I'm trying to remember, um, I don't know, I don't know, if, you know, I, can, I don't know who to attribute it to, I guess is what I'm getting at, but six things mentally strong people do. Number one, they move on. They don't waste time. I had to learn that lesson. You know, when you lose a job, I mean, it... it and you're maybe bitter about it or it wasn't just or it wasn't fair. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a waste of time, you know, feeling sorry for yourself or just even thinking about it because you really have to quickly adapt, I think, and just figure out what went wrong or what, what you can take from that and move on. Uh, number two, they embrace change. They welcome challenges. Number three, they stay happy. They don't waste energy on things they can't control. Number four, they are kind, fair, and unafraid to speak up. Number five, they are willing to take calculated risks. And number six, they celebrate other people's success. They don't resent that success either. Yay. Now so that, there you go. I can sign on to all of that. You've got a great guest for us too, don't you? I am very excited to talk to Chase Patrick Murphy. Everybody live from Houston. <laughs> it's Thank you Chase. for having me. Well, and I'm excited to talk to you. I mean, I, I know that both of us have been in this business a long time. And I mean, over the years, I feel like I've sent a resume to everybody, including probably you at some point. And, 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 um, but this is our first chance to really kind of get to know each other. And, uh, you know, as, as Lloyd said, you've worked in radio, held just about every title. I don't know a title that maybe you haven't had on air and behind the scenes. You're a fundraiser, motivational speaker, consultant, marketing president at Chase Murphy Consulting, Amazon best-selling author of at least two books. And I know that you have big goals and a lot going on. So thank you for taking the time here today to um, kind of help us figure out what your secret sauce is. You know, I, I'm so excited to talk to you, especially at this particular juncture in radio, you know, the pandemic is just such a huge curveball. I mean, it's the only time in my life that I ever got a job without losing one first, which is the opposite of, of what so many people are going through. So, you know, I, I know in your LinkedIn bio and things like that, you say that you managed to continue to win for your clients and audience when listenership was way down. And for a lot of people and stations, it hasn't come back the same. It may never come back the same. So what is it that you did? I mean, how did you pivot so quickly and, and what was working? 
So, yeah, the last year was, you know, the first year of the pandemic, I guess, uh, the ratings were the highest in 10 years. And the last quarter that I was I was with the company, uh, the highest highest ratings in 17 years. So not a flex, but just a setting the, the tone of, uh, you know, where it is. But really, the focus was you have to control the chaos. OK, so people felt the need to, like, abandon what they did well and look, you know, look for ways to change and pivot. And, and the world went into a bit crazy mode, but you need to stay calm. I always use the expression, uh, dance with who brung you. And so with, with that, with the radio stations that I, was, that I was running, was just the focus was, what are we gonna, we need to, whatever we're doing, continue to do it. We just need to think a little bit smarter, okay? So like many of you, we lost talent, support staff, marketing people, uh, departments were, you know, were gotten rid of, digital departments were, you know, were, were pretty much evaporated. But uh, you focused on making sure that you were doing the, the normally the normal stuff and you're doing it well. You want you looked at the making things fantastic that were normally just pretty good and not not change, but just do things better. And, and, and sometimes you have to simplify and really strip down your radio station and think, like, what are we known for? Let's sell it and sell it well. So like even little things and not to get verbose about this answer, but like music promos had to be different, more memorable. So in, like use an example, like instead of selling our attributes, so we all do in the music promos and things like that. I, I, uh, I have a friend who's a professional actress and I said, hey, I want you to be really just really kind of I want you to be Karen. I really want you to be Karen. And instead of us talking about here's the great reasons to listen to this radio station, I want you to be upset because we have all these great things about this radio station. So Karen would go off on this tangent like, oh, you guys play too much variety. I can't I can't stand all this variety. And it was just another way with every everything, just everything in chaos and everything weird. It was another just let's look at it from a different direction. And so, you know, with, and the same thing with, you know, all the we all have to do these streaming promos and, the, you know, this, that and the other. And, and I brought in a, a good friend of mine, uh, Joe Girard, who's a, who's an actor and, and a manager of, of people. And and I had him, you know, do kind of the same thing I did with Karen, only this time I, I use skits. So instead of just saying download the app and listen to us online, we did skits and it really it really kind of stuck out and, and gave some people some some laughter because you don't get a chance to do your imaging funny as, as much as you want to with all the, I guess, you know, being over consulted about your imaging and don't do anything too yeah. crazy. And we uh, we decided that this is what brung us. This is what we're known for. And this is what we did. So being in the moment, you know, PD's getting a lot of control taken away. Take the things that you can do and just do them better and just right. make them stand out. And for clients, I held weekly Zoom meetings and I had an open door for clients. Every Friday I did a game show and clients could come in and they could talk about their woes and bring the account executive you know, in with the thing. And it just meant a lot. And it really, it, it, meant, it really helped kind of, because we were all kind of you know, in chaos. Everything was crazy. And so just bringing them in going, hey, let's talk about your problems. Let's work through them. Because one thing I've learned about people who are very rich is they don't always know, they how to make money, but they don't always know their, their audience. And so, you know, our job as, as programming people and, and radio minded people is to remind them because we talk to their audience all day long. You don't you know, you don't have to know your audience to be rich. <laughs> so, well, right. And, and, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, we, we were told, uh, don't worry about the ratings because they're so skewed. You know, there there aren't people in cars right now and they're all over the place and they still haven't come back in, right. in a lot of um, places or even formats. Um, and, and, you know, my thought. I'm not a programmer, but I was like, okay, well, we should be able to try anything then. Let's like try something different and see what works, you know, but there was just so much reluctance. So other than the things that you mentioned, 
what were you telling the air staff or, or even the higher ups that they were um, flexible on? Were, were, was there anything that they were willing to take a chance on? No, I mean, I think you just reminding them to be patient. And I think that when, uh, when there's a fire, everybody runs around, right? There's you know, two kinds of people. You'll never know that I'm having the worst day of my life because you won't see me sweat. My hair won't be on fire. You'll never know. And that's how I've always kind of looked at anything, any brands that I've ever been a part of or, or teams that I've ever led was like, guys, we don't need to act crazy for the sake of acting crazy. You have to control the chaos. This is, you know, by the way, you know, this is, it's radio, right? It's, you know, this is where we're built on rock and roll and fun. Right. So let's not forget, you know, what, what this is about. Let's not, let's not, you know, lose sight of what we are as an industry. And, you know, I've, I mean, I'm, I had very spirited conversations with upper management about like, we got to get rid of this. We got to get rid of that. And I'm like, these are the things that are that are normal. These are the things people come to expect from us. And at a time when everything's flipped upside down more than ever, we need to stay in character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, there are a lot of people maybe even listening or people that um, are having a really hard time. And I know that you are. You, you, you use the hashtag try harder. And I, first of all, I guess let's talk about like what inspired try harder. So that's a that's a wormhole of, of things. Um, but we can. Uh, yes. OK, so try harder is is the, is the name of my second book. It's hashtag try harder. Um, so um, try harder is a philosophy that you make one bad decision or you do something that's selfish and it causes a chain reaction. So I use the excuse of, I use the example of, you're out, you're going to your, your favorite restaurant on a Friday night and it's packed and you go to park and some jerk parked their car over the line. You cannot get into your favorite restaurant, which means then you have to find somewhere else to eat. And on a Friday night in any busy city, it's hard to find places to eat. So you're, yeah. you drive another place and there's a 45 minute way, you drive another place, there's an hour way. And so you set somebody, just because you didn't take the time to repark your car, you set the cards in motion and the wheels in motion for somebody to have a really terrible time. So my thing is that I'm, I'm not a believer in hazing in any way, shape or form. So my thing is that um, the try harder philosophy is basically it takes five seconds to repark your car. It takes five seconds to say the right thing or do the right thing or do something kind. And so by doing that, you set off a chain reaction of kindness. It's nothing, it's nothing like earth shattering, like I invented kindness or I invented right. doing the right thing, but uh, it's my tongue in cheek way. And if, you've re if you read the book or read any of the blogs, you kind of get it because between every chapter in my try harder book, there is a picture of a really bad parking job. And so, <laughs> so I melded the fact that I've for law forever, for 10 years now, I've taken pictures of really bad parking and uh, and just post them up on on Facebook and use the hashtag try harder or put it on Instagram, put try harder. And then it all kind of came together. I was like, wait a minute, this is this. Wait, this works. This this, yeah. uh, this motivational stuff that I'm doing on top of these bad parking jobs. Let's make a book out of it. And so I did. And it became an Amazon bestseller. That's I mean, I feel a little personally attacked by this, but OK, <laughs> <laughs> just right. kidding. But I, I, I guess, you know, I, I guess what what that what really it says to people is, yes, I mean, you're trying harder, but you, you also are not. I lost you. I can't hear you. I believe I lost her too. Corey, hmm. are you there? I want to make Corey. sure I answer the question. 
I know. If she doesn't come back soon, we'll have to make up. Oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, here we go. That was so okay. weird. Sorry, I had earbuds in, and I started, it started doing something really funky. Well, let's, well, all right, what was, what was your question? Take it from the top. <laughs> um, let's see. What was my question? I was talking about... Um, well, I said, I said, I, I suppose maybe the root of try harder is, is to not blame things or people outside yourself. It's knowing that you have the power to make a small change to be on the path to whatever it is that you aspire to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I know that I'm doing a, like a stream of a smaller version of try harder uh, stuff because everything usually like when I write try harder stuff, it's usually like a thousand to two thousand words. And lately I've been doing some try harder shorts uh, as just kind of a way of ramping up to, uh, to the next book that's coming. So, you, right. Uh, What's so that? Do you want to, it's, it's a follow up to try harder. It's, it's the try harder Two T O O. And, uh, um, it's, um, it's slated for, uh, for 2022. Um, and then I have, uh, I have another book, uh, that's associated with that. Um, and it's, it's going to be uh, the try harder guide to career pivoting. Okay, good. And then I have a children's book that at some point I have to get my stuff together and find a, uh, find a, uh, somebody to draw pictures for me. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, I mean, we all know lots of people, but let's, let's talk about that, that second book or try harder too, because there are a lot of people, especially listening. And that's kind of where I was going after this, just trying so hard to land a gig in radio or, or the audio landscape as it's being called now, because it is changing so quickly. Um, and, you know, people even on this call right now that are, are trying to get back into radio. So what advice do you have for them? As far as the, the focus, I, you know, if you I think you got to do a series of gut checks in life. And you got to understand if you if you want to stay in radio or you're getting you got kicked out the sea of which you were surfing and it kicked you out and you do a gut check and you got to focus. You go, do I want to do this? Yes. OK. I've convinced myself that I want to do this. I want to do this. Okay. And then you go, if I were to do it the way I wanted to do it, and if I were to play the, you know, play the game the way I want to play the game, then how would I do that? And start writing it down and start putting it, you know, and start visualizing it and start going, all right, well, what kind of people do I want to do this with? Okay. You know, market size be damned. You know, don't yeah. you know, don't get wrapped up in that because, you know, every, you know, the person you'd be surprised how many major market people make the same amount of money, if not less money than people outside of the major markets. Right. So is this is what you want to do. You didn't do this for the money. You didn't get into this for the money. This you want to do it. Then you really got to do a gut check. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, the thing that drives me nuts is when people say, I don't know how to do anything else. That's crap. You know how to do plenty. You know how to do a lot of things. What you need is probably somebody to help connect the dots for you going, you know how to do this skill. Guess what? This skill applies to 80,000 different other jobs. So are you doing radio because you love it? Because you're, you really want to make it better? And you really want to, you really want to make it your, you know, your mark in, in this industry? Or are you doing radio because I just don't know if I can do anything else? And you know, so that's the gut check. And you got to ask yourself, because I can't answer that for you. What yeah. I can do... Is anybody who is having that moment, who's having that, you know, A, B conversation with themselves, what I can do is offer, a, you know, if they want to talk to me, reach out and let's have, let's have the conversation. Right. And, I, and, you know, again, it's, it's, it's no longer just radio. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of promoting them, but, but, you know, like, like there's a serious TikTok channel, serious mm -hmm. XM TikTok channel. Um, somebody that I mentor, her name is Kat Haley. She, during the pandemic, 
just got goofy on TikTok and built up a following of over 700,000 fans. And, and they reached out to her to um, put her on this TikTok channel. And another friend, Mason, she was on in Seattle for uh, Hubbard. And she just got hired by Cumulus in Dallas uh, because she built a following of over 250,000 uh, 250, fans on TikTok. And, and they wanted that, you know? I mean, I, I think whatever your brand is, whatever your reputation is, whatever it is that you do, I think you can still do it and get the attention elsewhere for whatever is coming. And we know Amazon is creating audio. Um, Apple is creating audio. And there's there are other opportunities. It's not quote unquote radio. Right, right. You're a content creator. Yes, so there's exactly. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with having eight tentacles in what you do. Yes, yes. And, I mean, it, you know, it, it, yeah. you know, it probably drives us all nuts when we see people who are TikTok famous and they get opportunities or for the longest time it was like this person's a YouTube star and now they're you know on a morning show and everything at the end of the day they still have to they still have to be entertaining they still have to be likable they still have to be engaging right you know and and some have failed miserably and others have hit pivoted and figured it out right well and that's the thing you still even if you're a radio talent and you're not a TikTok star or, or Instagram or whatever you have to you have to do on their platform what they're trying to do on your platform too mm -hmm. I, I mean i'm just a big believer that you have to like you said branch out and and uh use exactly your skills which is kind of leading me to this next thing where do you find the time to write <laughs> books chase all right this might surprise you okay uh, but i i've now written three books on my iphone really uh, if, I, if i yeah if, if there was ever somebody to endorse an, an iphone and by the way, I think I have an iPhone 7, so it's nothing fancy. Oh um, it's, uh, it's, I've written the books on the phone. You know, I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning every day, Monday through Sunday, like every day. Um, and you know, I'm not a morning, you know, morning person. I've been a career middays and afternoon person for the most part. Um, but um, the notes section on my phone is filled with blogs, chapters, and, and occasional recipes. Um, but I can crank out a thousand words in 20 minutes when the moment catches me. If I'm inspired and there's something like it's just something kind of set me off, whether I dreamt it or something that I went to bed with, you know, that was that was kind of festering in my brain that I needed to get out and, you know, and just and share it or, you know, puke it out, if you will, birth it. Right. Um, but, you know, other chapters take a little bit of uh, time. You know, there's there's probably like a couple other books just in the lost notes section of my phone when I see something and I'll write it down or I'll, I'll something will inspire me and my kids will say something and I put it down and sometimes I'll circle back and get to it. But to find time, my family doesn't wake up until after seven. So uh, from five to seven, I have a little bit of a, a me time moment where I can do that, where you know, when the kids used to do other activities and I would take them to it and stuff. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, and, and I'd be waiting in the car you know, to pick up my kids. I would I would tap away at that way. But I don't know. I, I am I'm one of those people who just tries to find I try what I always refer to is I suck the marrow out of life. I try yeah, to find, I just tried to make up for every moment. Um, you know, and, and, and in my life, and that probably goes back to a little bit, um, you know, just how I was brought up or the circumstances or, you know, some of the, I guess, uh, somewhat traumatic experiences I had in my life that, that I, you know, that I, I want to make sure that, um, that I, that I'm living 
the most life I can. Not like trying to do the Oprah Winfrey thing here where it's like, you got to live your best life, Chase Murphy. Why not? Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, but I don't apologize for, you know, for being harmless. And I, I you know, try to live twice the life as, you know, as I, as I can. I try to do more with the time that I'm given just to keep moving forward because, um, you know, I've, I've experienced quite a bit of loss in, you know, in, in death around me. And so, you know, I just, I just think a little bit differently. Sometimes it's a little first principle. Other times, I guess some would consider selfish, but I don't really consider myself a selfish person. I, I want to make sure that I'm just, I'm taking advantage of what, what's put in front of me and I'm taking it in. Right. And so you're, you're writing these books that are motivational and, and are, are you, uh, I mean, were you looking to inspire your own employees or, you know, what inspired you to start writing it down and think, oh, I'm going to, publish this book so um all right so i guess there's i guess that's a that's a that's a multi-answered type thing so um when i uh, i guess when i was 12 i lost an eight-year-old brother mm-hmm. and so that was what the the moment that kind of flipped the trigger for me going i need to do more i need to experience more at 12 i'm like that's pretty yeah. heavy stuff for a 12 year old going i'm gonna do the most you know whereas some kids like you had to pick things. I was the guy marching um, in football pads during the halftime show. So, to, you know, to, to, to put it in perspective, like I did everything. Right. I was, doing, I was doing one act play during baseball tournaments and we had to we had to I was a pitcher and they had to uh, they had to choose what game I was pitching on when I because I had to go and do another event. So I always thought about it as we're always we're on this earth for so long and of a uh, I've never been happy surviving. I need to thrive. So I, I, I always say I'm a shark. I need to swim or I'll die. Right. And, you know, and I don't want to be captivity anyway. So, you know, anyone who's been in the business long enough knows what I'm talking about. It, it gets old. You, you want to be remarkable and you want to make a difference. And you don't want to go into life and your career with, with the attitude that, you know, that, oh, oh what was me? Something's happened this way. I, you know, I want to, I want to do, yeah, I want to do remarkable things. I want to do, do big things. Well, so part two of this is how I got, became a writer was um, about eight years ago, um, my second brother, my older brother, passed away. Sleep apnea, mm-hmm. just, just fell asleep. So that's, um, so I had been writing blogs um, just to my older brother to, so he'd read them and he'd debate my opinions. And, and anybody who knew my older brother knows that like he was very opinionated and very smart. So debating with him was was impossible so i would write things as a cowardly way i would write them and then he'd read them and then he'd he'd be forced to take in the lesson that i'm trying to teach him as a younger brother well um so i kept writing to him and doing this well he he won you know one morning i got the message that that he or one night that i got the message he passed away so i uh, i posted a blog about about him Mm -hmm. and it went viral went crazy went viral hundreds of thousands uh people Uh, read it and picked up. So um, I took all my blogs and I and I put them into a, a a book called Pull the Trigger. And it's just in Pull the Trigger is basically a moment in life where you're like you're you're on the fence and you're like I need to just just do something. Just pull the trigger. Just go. And uh, you know instead of overthinking it because you know I grew up an overthinker as, as a child. Instead of overthinking it, just jump. Just pull the trigger. So anyway, I wrote it put it all together because it was a bunch of blogs and it really wasn't supposed to be a book, but I figured if I sold it, I might make a little money, put away some money for my, my niece, my, my, my brother's daughter, and it became an Amazon bestseller. Wow. And, uh, and so, um, and it did so through grief groups would buy it. People would find me online and they would reach out to me and I was getting email from Russia. Wow. <laughs> you know, random places. So I just, I kept writing. And uh, and was about to publish a second book when uh, I had a group of publishers uh, make, you know, make bids to uh, publish Try Harder. And that's how Try Harder uh, came about. That's very cool. I mean, so you've 
You, I mean, rather than, I mean, one of the principles I've heard from other successful people is you just kind of say yes to opportunities, right, that pop up. And yeah. so, I mean, you're saying yes to radio, you're saying rest, yes to fundraisers and motivational speak. I mean, are you speaking, are you going out on tour to speak about the books? So I, yeah, I'm available. I have done, I'm doing book stuff. But I'm, I paused here for the little pandemic, put a killing to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but with the, with ramping up to the, to the try harder two. Um, that yes, that uh, I have a company that I work with that uh, that will market me to uh, to places, and I'll I'll go and speak and 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 to groups and, and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to that. That's sometime in 2022, where hopefully uh, vaccination and everything will will let me let me be out and about and be in front of people. Right. I mean, that's so exciting. Um, and and you know, do you know exactly when the next book will be out? Try harder um, too. So the, cool. so I've been. It's it's written. The Tribe right. 2 is written. Um, it is just a it's just a matter of um, timing things out. There's two book cycle things, not to get all heady about book stuff, but like February is a time you can you can release a book. And then uh, later in the year, you can you can do another one. So I don't know if I'm primed. I might be primed for February of 2022. So that's oh, OK. I recently bought back the rights to Try Harder because I want to self-publish again. Ah, OK. So uh, I like I like what they did, but I also like the uh, the control that I have by being my own my own publisher. My right on that one. So right. Well, and so. you'll be doing the marketing as your own marketing president of your own right. company. So, guessing, so there's right? that too. There's that too. But you know, I mean, you look at it. You know, when, with what we do, and I guess you know, a, a message I can leave to, to radio folk in some way is that, you know, do do what you got to do. Do do things to be remarkable. You know, make a difference. If you if you go if you don't go in life, you know, if you walk around life going, I, I don't know, I'll just get by, I'll survive and stuff. Here's what's going to happen, radio folks. Uh, when you die. Ramp might mention your name at the bottom of its morning email. Yeah. Right. I refuse to have my career highlights listed like right below a job opening in San Angelo or Panama City Beach. It's not, yeah. it's not happening for me. So uh, I, I, wanna, I want to spend each day trying to be a headline. So be a damn headline, you know, and, and, and live above the fold, I guess, is, is, what, is what I'm trying to tell you. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, but it, it's it's I think a lot of there are two types of people like my niece is one type and my her brother, my nephew is another type. He thinks that everything works out for his sister, you know, and he has a really hard time, whereas you know, I look at her and she, she didn't get into certain colleges she wanted to go to, but she just kind of pivots more quickly. But can you tell us about any of your, you know, quote unquote failures that ultimately led to success? Because you're clearly on this, you're always moving forward, you know? Yeah. yeah. Meet the Robinsons is one of my favorite Disney movies. If, if anybody's watched it, it's a, the whole message is, you know, keep moving forward. You know, um, I've always tried to see the whole playing field. It's something my dad taught me early on is like, don't get flat footed, try to predict, try to see things. You don't have to act on it all the time, but you need to just, you know, in, in, in your head, understand, like control the chaos as best you can and try to predict and bulletproof yourself or your team or, you know, the people around you, you know, um, you know, I'm a dad. So it's, it's what I do with, with my kids. I try not to put my kids in harmful situations and try to, you know, think things through again, going back to the 12 year old Chase Murphy, where he overthinks everything. So I like to think that I, that I learned before um, experiences and failures. Now, that being said, life has done, I mean, we just shared, life has done its share of kicking me in the teeth. Okay? Right. But my goal is to, is to learn from the sucker punches and, and help others. So if you, if you follow my story in the blogs and, 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 or if you're learning about me for the first time, you know, I don't believe in hazing in, in people in, in my life. I don't believe in hazing in radio. And I want everyone in this group to embrace that, to not, to, you know, to not haze people, but rather let them learn from, you know, the bumps and bruises 
that you've had, you know, in your, you know, in your life. Uh, so there was an aha epiphany moment years ago, and uh, and because Lloyd's a Carolina guy, so he understands this. I was up at, uh, I was uh, working with Dan Valley as part of his uh, his uh, Keller Institute at Appalachian State years ago, and. Um, and I was up there, I was teaching a class on, on radio uh, for the day. And anyway, I got there early and I started listening to the person who was lecturing before me. I caught like the last 10 minutes. If anybody in this group knows who Arrow Collins is. So Aaron Collins is a pretty cool character, really, really cool, interesting person. Follow him on Facebook, he's interesting. So anyway, uh, he said something in the room that uh, I have quoted as if I wrote it. Like I've stolen this line from Arrow <laughs> Collins my entire for the last 15 years, probably, I've stolen this line. It'll probably be on my uh, tattooed on my body somewhere or on my headstone. And he said this, and it was, and it just, it, I don't know, it just lit me up. He goes, "You can't get in the Hall of Fame unless the next generation votes you in." And so I have, I have lived my life in in a way to whatever I know, I will share it with you, and whatever I can teach you, I will. And as a manager, it's your job to teach your staff what you do for a living. So that therefore it allows you to move faster and work and work more efficient because your team knows exactly what you do and why and the why of which you do things. And so I don't know, I've always I've always looked at betterments, which is why I write and I pass along, hey, I just got punched in the face. This bad thing happened in my life. Here's how I reacted to it. Here, and you can you can maybe learn from this. You don't have to do what I did, but certainly learn learn from the bumps and bruises or the punch to the teeth. Right. Yeah. I, I find that I, I'll give advice and nobody ever takes it. So I'm glad that they're taking it. I'm glad that they're taking it from you. Would you uh, be so kind as to give us like your website or, or where people can reach yeah. you? It's uh, it's chasemradio.com as my website. Um, you have blogs on there. I've slowed down the blogging because I'm preparing for the book. So you can't give away too much for free, even though I've, you know, just talked about giving away things for free. Right. But, uh, but uh, you know, so there's, uh, it's chasemradio.com. Uh, you can do chasemradio at yahoo.com. If you want to holler at me, uh, I'm up for, you know, I'm up for talking, I'm up for Zoom sessions. If uh, anybody's, you know, going through some bumps or bruises or if anybody just wants to like, hey, let's talk about radio. Let's, let's ideate a little bit. Let's throw the ball around. I'm always here for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm just looking at the clock. I just want to make sure that I'm respectful of Lloyd and Dennis. And, and uh, you know, you're awesome, Chase. Thank you so much. I'll be checking that out and can't wait for the book to come out. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, Lloyd. Okay, there Boy, I got to tell you, when you are that good, you don't have to be respectful of anybody else's tone. <laughs> or, or I shouldn't say it that way. What I should say is what I say to Morning Show Talent, which is there's no such thing as talking too much. It's all about when your content is really good, you don't have to shut up. And when your content falls, eh, move along. You know, you guys never had that problem. Thank no. you, Corey. And thank you, Chase. By the way, does anybody think that Chase Patrick Murphy has a problem with motivation or a problem <laughs> living life? No, that's the answer. Now, listen, the Radio Rally is our weekly Monday opportunity to visit with radio with our group, the Encouragers. Make your mark if you haven't liked or joined the Encouragers. Please do it while you're here with us tonight. We have at least two live events every single week designed to help you grow your radio and audio career. Now, listen up, because things uh, things get interesting here, too. Our next guest is somebody I'm just going to recognize right up front as someone who is a dual threat. Sports and news talk are two absolutely amazing programming 
uh, formats. And of course, in fact, I, I always used to, and still I might say this, that if you die as a programmer, you go to heaven and you, let's say you have to have a job. Um, it's probably going to be in the talk format of some kind. To me, doing that job is like the Super Bowl of content programming. That's because you're coaching talent. You're utilizing someone else's talent in ways to create continuous content that has to be the most compelling content, especially today, to make your brands matter. My guest today is an innovative sports, news, and entertainment content leader with a demonstrated winning history in generating ratings and revenue, skilled in growing brands across cross-channel uh, platforms, uh, finding and developing talent, monetization, and get this visionary planning. His specialties, radio programming, podcasting, digital, social media. This unique individual has a strong passion. He is focused on leadership and coaching. And Dennis is competitive, if you don't know this, very good at resolving issues and has a strong attention to detail. I'm intimidated just before I even get to speak to him. Today, we get to visit with one of the very best, Dennis Glasgow, and he's program director of WONK-FM, iHeartMedia in Washington, D.C. Dennis, welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you? Lloyd, I am doing fantastic. Thank you for helping me, and thank you for flowering up my LinkedIn profile with that voice of yours. It sounds so much cooler than my career. Hey, man, well, look, uh, you know, if I make that turn to, to news talk, I know exactly where to go to beg for a job. Dennis, let's talk about you for a minute. When I started my programming career, it was in country and adult contemporary. But you, you jumped right in as the host of Mornings in Albuquerque. Uh, were you just a crazy sports fan? You were doing sports. Were you attracted to the high octane passion of sports? What drove that decision to jump in there? I was, Lloyd. My dad was a big sports fan, and like every other kid, tells the same story. You're watching sports as a kid. You're talking like the announcers, and maybe someday you want to be like them. And I had the the real fortune to live here in the D.C. area where I am now as a teenager. And mm -hmm. I was influenced by some of the greats, including Greaseman, Howard Stern, Don and Mike, and I can go on and on mm. and on, and uh, George Michael Sports Machine. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it just it – was, it was a plethora of talent, interesting individuals who were just starting to get to that plateau where you knew there was something special about them, and you had to listen, and you had to keep on listening. And I have so many people like that in my life, and I'm sure you do too, and it, it, it was just uh, – I didn't know I was listening to history at the time, uh, but it proved to be something that stuck with me and that I wanted to do something like that. And some people know that George Michael sports machine outside of Washington and Washington. Oh, man. Huge, oh. huge, huge. I mean, well, just that, a cult of personality, right? It was. That was a syndicated show. And remember, that was before SportsCenter and ESPN. And right. he used to do that locally here at WRC-TV. And I, you know, I'm not going to have the dates right, but, you know, late 70s uh, into the 90s, you know, he was on television 
showed the highlights of your favorite team if you happen to be a transplant. Yeah. And he had that big giant machine that, of course, was fake, but he had the reel, the reel, press a button, highlights would come up. He'd do the voiceover. And he had such a dynamic personality. And that, beside the highlights themselves that you never saw anywhere else, his passion for sports was the gravity that pulled you to watch overwhelming that yes yeah. just powerful now listen i'm gonna t i'm gonna depart here for a second and say your dad okay when when you went on the air doing mornings on a sports station did he did, did he listen to you he did and uh you know i think that like all parents when you do something like radio they're not sure exactly what you do but they can right. hear you and when i was in albuquerque i did a real guy show it was a, a mix of of uh, sports guy talk and that allowed you certain things to get away with back that you can't anymore but we had a lot of fun on the air and it was like a clubhouse like we're <laughs> like hey. we're talking now and, and it was interaction and it was crowdsourcing and it was before social media was around and there were only chat rooms right. and early websites and you really had to rely on your passion to have some fun but that format allowed me to talk about sports, about right. news, about entertainment and all those things. And, yeah, he was thrilled about it. All right. So I want to do this really quick because I think, look, we don't want to get distracted at any point here. We don't want anybody to be distracted. We're going to cover this quickly. And then i got a bunch of questions for you. What is your favorite sport and your favorite sports team? I would say it would have to be the NFL and it would have to be the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I lived for a short time in the Seattle area for about three years, and that was really my formative years of really getting into sports and knowing the players, knowing the coaches, the teams, the stats, everything. And Seattle at that time when I was living there in the mid to late 70s, the Seahawks came on board in 76, the Mariners in 77, and I've been a long, long-suffering sports fan ever since, Lloyd. Mm, nice to know. So listen, Denver – and Portland are checks on your programming list. Mm -hmm. Those are some pretty interesting markets. But when you did Red Zebra and the Washington Football Club radio, that looked like some crazy experience. Can you walk us through that experience right quick, especially coaching a talent like Joe, Joe Theismann? I, I, can, I can do that. And I think after listening to Corey and Chase, I think Chase inspired me to write a book about my, right? my two years in D.C., with Red Zebra, for, for the people that are listening that don't know, Dan Snyder, who is the owner of the Washington Football Club, decided that he wanted his own radio groups. So he bought some radio stations, and he happened to call them Red Zebra Broadcasting. And I came here to D.C. in 2008 with one of my mentors and one of the smartest guys in radio I know, Bruce Gilbert, who happens to be the VP of talk programming with Cumulus. And Bruce was with ESPN for many years. He started the ticket in Dallas. And Lloyd, I know that you've seen these people before oh. in your life. When somebody, when somebody stands up in a room and talks whatever they're talking about, and you say, my God, that's the smartest person I've ever seen about that subject, and I want to work for them someday. Yes, and, and Bruce was that guy. I met him in 99 at a Rick Scott sports radio uh, extravaganza when Rick used to do those things and, and met Bruce and saw him and years later had the opportunity to work in D.C. And it was an experience of a lifetime. It was the hardest job I've ever done. Besides, you know, I've been a programmer for a long time, but I was named as VP of Operations and Program Director, not only for the legendary WTEM, which we bought, but mm -hmm. also 
two other news talk stations in D.C., and two other sports stations in Virginia. And I had about 50 people that worked for me and on my team, and I couldn't have done it without them, including doing the Washington Football Club play-by-play and periodically traveling with them. So it was almost a a seven-day-a-week job, but it was a weird dynamic, Lloyd, because when you're owned by somebody that owns an NFL team, you would think, and so did the host and all the people that worked for us, the expectation that we have to curtail to the team when they're playing poorly and not be critical. It couldn't have been farther from the truth. After we, it took some time to change the culture in the building and let everybody know on staff, including the on-air host, all we're asking you is to do what you do well, but be fair. As long as you can be fair, you can be critical and we'll take care of the rest. And I think that goes for any arrangement of any on-air person. You know, Chase talked a little bit about this, about being kind and being nice. You know, cheap yes. shots are easy. We see it on TV every day and newspapers and online and social media. Yep. Anybody can cheap shot anybody at a moment's notice. It's in all of us to do it. But the work to really think about it, be a critical thinker, and be smart and take the high road and be fair. That's what we asked them to do at Red Zebra. And I thought we did it really well. And it was an experience of a lifetime. I worked with uh, Steve Zabin and Andy Polin, uh, Coach John Thompson, Brian Mitchell, Al Koken. Uh, the list goes on and on. Joe Theismann, as you mentioned. And Theismann what was great. He was, he was a character. He was a personality. You talked about Chase having passion. I think I have that too. Like, like all of the Corey has that. Yeah. I hear that in her voice. Oh yeah. And Joe Theismann brought passion, and that's what I loved about Joe. He was fun. He was detailed, just like he was when he was a quarterback. He loved the Washington Football Team, and to work with him and, and others was just a treat. Because remember, Lloyd, when I lived here as a kid, I watched all those people on television. Ah, right. I listened to them on radio. I read them in the newspaper. And now a lot of them were working with me at Red Zebra. So now I'm peers or we're working as a team together. Uh, we talked about George Michael. He called me every week until the day that he had passed away and just wanted to talk about sports. Wow. So, so, so working with all those legends was a thrill of a lifetime. The two years that I worked at Red Zebra – any other market would have taken me 10 years to learn and sop it all up. But working with Bruce Gilbert and the Red Zebra people in Washington, D.C., those two years were monumental to my career. I swear I knew you were going to say it, would, it was like a decade because it, it feels like just hearing you're passionate about it and hearing what that encompassed must have been pretty amazing. So, so OK, you're fascinating for a number of reasons. Uh, here's one of them. Uh, you make the turn back west. And this brought you to into a news talk station. Was that the first time? How different is sports and news talk? And tell us uh, what we don't know. It was the first time, but I gave it some thought. And I said to myself, listen, spoken word is spoken word. And if I can do sports, I know news. I follow it as, you know, everybody wants to put you in the, the box that you're the sports guy. So nobody's going to consider you for a news job, but you're coaching and working with talent and you're working with content and audio and apps and websites and social media. And I sold them on, listen, it's spoken word. I coach talent and I love doing that. And I'm going to make us better. And I got the opportunity to do it in Portland and it was a thrill to work on news. And it was Mm -hmm. a, a, a fun departure too, because after a while, 
you know, sometimes it can be the same old sports. I think people can say that about news, but it just gave me a chance to not only put that on my resume, but try something that I wasn't sure that I, I could do. But when I stepped right in, I knew it's just like sports talk. We've got news talk. We've got shows. We've got air talent. And here we go. Let's work with sales. Let's work with on-air products. Let's work with all the social media and digital. And I had a gas doing it. And uh, I was hoping to do it again someday, which led me back here to D.C. that we can talk about later. But it was a genuine thrill. But I, any kind of spoken word, it really doesn't matter what the format is. Anybody can do it. When you do one, you can certainly do the other. And I've been told by a lot of people that sports programmers actually make good news directors because of our outside the box thinking. And I couldn't agree more. I think that's true. That has to be true. And couldn't agree more. And look, it's all about being compelling, 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 which is our job anyway, right? Yes. It doesn't matter what format you're in, you've got to be compelling. When you went to work for Capital Broadcasting Company, you really put down some roots, almost seven years. What did you learn across these different jobs that we've talked about? And especially, you know, that might have led you into staying a little bit longer in Raleigh. Well, that, that that's a good question. And it was a wonderful opportunity. And, and Capital Broadcasting is a second generation family owned company. Uh, they own the legendary WRAL television, which, mm-hmm. by the way, was the first TV station in the United States to broadcast live local news on high definition. Nice. And they are a tech-friendly and smart company. Radio, television, they own property. They even own the Durham Bulls Baseball Club in AAA, which was also a thrill. So everybody knows about Bull Durham and, and, Absolutely. and, and they own that team. But because there were so many different platforms, TV and digital radio, the baseball team, I could go on and on all the things they own. It was about collaborating and it allowed me to not only work on my product with radio and social media, web apps and all those cool things and design those things with them. But I got a chance. We we had the opportunity to share our content with, with television, which they welcomed and we, and they shared theirs with ours. So you can imagine the powerhouse that we were in Raleigh in the state of North Carolina. When you get a legendary heritage television station that's number one almost always in the ratings in Raleigh and the number one sports station in Men 2554 and all of that demographic, and you yeah. put all those other digital products together, we were a powerhouse because it allowed us not only to collaborate on television and radio, on web and social media, but even on special projects. I created something called the Fan Town Hall, where we at least quarterly took our radio people and put them on television to talk about whatever hot topic was going on, whether it be uh, it could have been anything at the time. But, you know, it, it, but being able to have the access to television and digital was a really big deal for us. Huge. And. And, you know, when television went to the Olympics, we had a chance to use that on radio and all of our platforms. So it, it, it's an outstanding company and they treat people really well. And my seven years was extraordinary. It was just uh, absolutely the best. You've got all this amazing experience behind you. I mean, Lord Almighty, I don't I don't have anything right now. I want to hire you. 
So <laughs> listen, last Wednesday in our Innovation in Audio, we have a second event called Innovation in Audio happens right here on the Encouragers every Wednesday night. Our guest was Matt Goldberg, who is the VP of Content Strategy for the NBC You Own TV stations in Los Angeles. He talked a lot about the struggle to produce the very sharpest content and to use a variety of ways to push that out beyond the television stations he talked about the change of news from the news desk to that being a new trend and and he included audio especially in the things that they are fascinated with do you think this new focus on audio is is interesting and and how do you feel about using content in a variety of ways to grab more occasions of listening yeah, I do. And I, I will tell you this. And listen, it, TV has a few things on radio and we have a few things on TV. I right. think the one thing that I'm watching in television is that they're now doing what we've been doing in radio the last five or 10 years, whether it's more audio, whether it's more teasing, uh, uh, you know, just that attention to detail to make sure that people are coming back after a commercial break and staying really tight on all of their video and their audio. And, and, you know, I think using, you know, I'll, I'll go back to capital broadcasting. You know, my host didn't only host a four-hour sports show, but they also had to write for the website every day, wrlsportsfan.com, hmm. which did two, three million hits a month. It was extraordinary. They had to make sure they were active on social media all day in and outside of their shows. They had to make sure that they were doing television pieces when they presented themselves and right. and anything else. You know, we, we had to make sure that we had five tool players. And I think that's what television is doing now is that you can't be a one trick pony anymore and just deliver what people are tuning in for for the content. You've got to give them more. And I'm sure that everybody that's been on here has talked about brand extension before. And that means social media. That means writing. That means right. doing video, whether it's Twitch or Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces. I could go on, and you know all of them, and I know your listeners do too, but mm -hmm. there's just a bountiful list of things that you can do beside your, you know, the big thing that you do to make sure that you get people outside of your demo to at least sample you and see if they'll come back. We've already got the P1s. You know, you, you can tell them to F off and they're still going to listen. You want to get the P's, twos, the threes, and the fours and get them excited about what you can bring to their life as they sample your product. And maybe they're engaged enough to say, you know what? I think I want to check that out a little bit more or I'm going to come back to that again. And that's really the trick that we're all trying to do. That's exactly right. You know, and I found it fascinating that Chase was talking about that earlier. And Corey, I think your microphone is on. You might want to check that. Sorry. Um, that's all right. Uh, we were just getting a little dinner prep, it seems like, to me. Uh, <laughs> but but that's okay. That's a little backstage. We like that on the encouragers. <laughs> you know, l listen, uh, many programmers talk about the downside of PPM. I know you've never done that. But, <laughs> however, when you, when you cross over to news talk, you really start to see some interesting things. You're not in control of the news, obviously. How much of your product is dependent on the news and how much is dependent on the talent that shapes the content in PPM? That's a really good question. And I think that, you know, anybody can talk about any local story. And obviously, if it's 
a Colin Kaepernick story or if, you know, somebody famous died or whatever, you know, the Aaron Rodgers story. I mean, that's shooting mm. fish in a barrel. But how do you localize it? And I always challenge my hosts on this, especially in Raleigh. I said, listen, we've got this great opportunity. We've got Aaron Rodgers and, you know, what, what he's doing now. What can we do that would tie it in with a local angle that will attract a Raleigh Durham listener? And that's a trick that we do every single day. And once again, anybody can do these kind of things. But the, the, where the work comes in, Lloyd, is that how do you relate to that listener then and now? And it takes right. a lot of hard work. It takes passion. But it also takes a lot of planning. I made certain that when I was always working with all of my hosts and all of my shows, that we planned out everything accordingly and timed it out with tons of audio support, your your discussion, your argument, whatever it be, to get rid of that crosstalk that people can get bored by. But once again, relating to the listener. That listener wants to make sure that, that you're just like them. You know, you buy groceries just like them. You pump your gas just like them. You have issues with your kids just like them. But also yeah. you want to know, hey, I live in this city too. How does this relate to me? So, you know, whatever that story happens to be, you have to find the trick and tie it back in locally. And if you can do that, you've got them snagged. Well, and I tell you this too, I deal with personalities all the time. And I'm trying to tell them that when you tease something coming up, don't make it something you can Google. Give them oh. the baby and then twist it, right? And, and you know what? That That's a really good point because, you know, teasing is really an art. And I think yes. there's, there's a couple of people out there who I think are just the best. And, and then my friend Colin Cowherd might be one of the best teasers in all of media, not just radio or television. Really? All of media. If you ever watch his show or listen to it, Colin knows how to get that little fish hook in the mouth and bring you back for another segment. And we worked really hard at that. And when I got to Raleigh, I remember the host just kind of, it was a throwaway for them. And I said, mm. listen, folks, you don't know how important this is. If we can get somebody over that quarter hour, and this goes for any format, of course, mm -hmm. well, then it's touchdown us. Because there, there go the ratings because we carried them over for another quarter hour. But it also might make them a longer time listener and really get uh, to know what the show is about. And engage right. and, and, and and the acknowledgement of whatever that would happen to be, that really is the trick. So teasing is an art. You have to work at it very hard and just give enough that you're tantalizing them. And listen, Lloyd, you've heard this before, and I know I know that Chase and Corey and everybody else that's listening has. And the one of the best compliments that you can get in our business is, hey, you know what? I stayed in my car during the commercial break because I could not wait until you Correct. came back because that tease was so compelling and the content was just so fascinating. Right. And you know it when you hear a listener say something, they don't have to say it exactly like that. You know how to recognize you've done a good job. Absolutely. Can we talk about talent and social media for a minute? Sure. How, how do you embrace social media? What percentage of talent do you have that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be right now. It can be across time that has really come to embrace uh, social media and what's possible with social media. Uh, what kind of things do you recommend for radio to do to leverage our true value using social media and other means to uh, uh, other than just strictly on air? Well, that's a great question. And, and uh, you know, for me and I don't know about everybody else, but I love the latest 
toys. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what tech or social media it is. And this goes for personally in my life, too. I want to at least try it out. You know, my, my, my wife and I have a joke about I do all the grocery shopping in the family. And when I go down that aisle and I see new improved or I watch a TV commercial that says this is the greatest thing, I'm buying it. I'm a sucker for marketing. And I and I think everybody is to, to, to that respect. So, you know, with all that said, you know, you, you've got to get them excited about, hey, listen, you're talking on the air and on these digital platforms. But if you were to try this out and engage in Twitter or you would be able to try Twitch and get into the chat room live or you would be able to do Twitter spaces or Clubhouse, I could go on and on all the different platforms. You're going to introduce not only yourself to fans that listen regularly, but mostly people who have never heard you before or have always wanted to experience what you're like and have access to you. And that's what this, yeah, that's what this social, this is what it's all about. Because when you talk, like when I got to Raleigh seven years ago, eight years ago, I made a decision, no more phone calls. Now, this goes with a caveat. Anywhere Washington, D.C. and up, you take phone calls. Because every listener that calls those shows could be their own talk show host. So they're so damn good at it. But in Raleigh, North Carolina, we don't need to take calls. And here is why. Because they hijack programs, they, mm. they, they, they go on for too long, they lose train of thought, and, and I've never had a listener in my life tell me, ooh, I listened to that show because of the callers. <laughs> and it just doesn't work right. that way in a city like Raleigh. So we got rid of the calls, and we really beefed up all the segments with tons of audio and, and, and like social that. media engagement, and it, it really worked out well. But I just I always encourage the talent, try this. See how it is, brand extension, and interact because if they can get access to you, once again, it's touchdown us because they they won't be able to call and talk to you. Well, we got to do it another way, and this is how you do it. Yep, exactly right. Okay, there are a lot of favorite things that I have about you, but this is number one. When you took the job in Washington, D.C., I note that the first mention of this for you was compassion for others over the last year and the mention of your family as your rock. How important is family in a broadcaster's life today? And how can you make sure that your family knows how much you appreciate them? Well, that that's an excellent question. And I'm very lucky, Lloyd. My wife is in the business. She's been in sales and radio longer than I've been on air and programming. And she works for the same company that I do, iHeart. And she is my rock along with my daughter. You know, it's just it's just the tripod. It's just the three of us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky. And I, and, and I think this goes for anybody because, you know, as you go up the leaderboard in radio, whether you become a morning host or a manager or a vice president or whatever it is, it gets harder and harder to relate with people and talk about your problems. And, or your challenges right. and your issues, or even your success stories too, which we don't get a chance to celebrate enough in our business because it's such a fast-moving world. But specifically for me, because my wife is in the business and she gets it, we've been able not only to have spirited conversations about programming versus sales, but we've sure. also learned a lot from each other. And my wife, who wasn't a sports fan when I met her, now uses sports analogies in her sales meetings and I use sales analogies in my coaching sessions. I thought you and, were going to say she uses sports analogies in her arguments with you. <laughs> well, that too. That too. 
tattoos. Yes. Sometimes she'll fire it back at me. But because I'm, we're able to relate and we're, we've been in the business for 20 plus years, it's been a godsend. Uh, my wife mm. has been supportive. She's been a rock, not only with just support, but also she's only worked for three or four different companies her whole career. Well, I've worked for several and we've had to move for me mm. more than her. And she's always always been supportive you know we didn't have to leave portland oregon when we were there we were working for then intercom who's now odyssey and we had a great life with our young daughter it's a beautiful city we love the northwest but when the opportunity came for dc and red zebra and kind of come back home as it were oh yeah he was super supportive and we took a chance and after two years it didn't work out we were all let go uh Mm. another story for another time but it's just nice that you can have somebody that you can relate to. And, and and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, when it comes to relating, it's also about simple acknowledgement, too. And I talk about this with my host, my family, and my daughter all the time. Yes. Is that especially after COVID, a lot of people have lost their social skills. And we've seen all that on the Internet and social oh. media. But I think that people just want simple acknowledgement and that goes and, and this is a lesson for all the programmers out there who have talk show hosts listen to their programs intently let them know you're listening give them candid feedback because everybody wants feedback but just give them simple acknowledgement that you're there for them you're listening to the program here's what you did well here's what you can work on and we are a team and we're going to get through this together and if you can get them to buy in to that we are a team and when they're acknowledged and they know you're listening and that you care, Lloyd, that you care, yes. that really is a difference maker where you can just knock it out of the park and win. I swear I say this all the time. People just want to be heard. That advice that you they just do. gave us is great for a programmer who works in any format under any condition or anybody who works with a team. People want to be heard. And I'll go as far as to say any programmer toward their audience, too. Dennis, I I wonder if you'll stick around with us for a few minutes. We might have some questions for you from the audience. Uh, If you'll stick around for a few minutes, we would appreciate that, too. You bet. You've been great. Every week, we have these visits from radio pros in different parts of the country. I mean, we put this down every single week, and we do it for a single reason. We are here to encourage you and encourage anyone making a living in the radio business today. This is where you can come. You can hear from people who you might not ordinarily get to hear in an intimate setting talk about radio right now. And you can meet them on our Clubhouse events. Follow the people on the stage, look around in this event, connect with people who are in this live event. Our purpose is to encourage networking as a big part of encouraging your career in radio. Don't forget next Monday, November 15th, Chuck Nance is going to be with us from WSOC, which is one country 103.7 in Charlotte, North Carolina. And also we'll have an amazing co-host, Ashley Wilson, the director of country programming for iHeartMedia Kentucky, Indiana, and program director of WAMZ will be our co-host on Monday. She will have a great guest for us, too. You do not want to miss this. We're here on Clubhouse every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, just to encourage you. We are going to open up the room in case there are questions from you to our guest right now just push the button at the bottom of your iphone or android device raise your hand it's got a little hand down there hey how are you i see you and of course we'll bring you up onto the stage we do ask that you mute your microphone when you first come up onto the stage 
And we do that because, uh, well, there's an audio integrity thing with Clubhouse. You, you learn it the hard way if you're not careful. Well, like me. And of course, <laughs> well, you know. I violated things, today twice. No, no, that's okay. You know, uh, we just want to know what you're having for dinner. That's all, uh, Corey. Little salmon. Well, see, see, she's living that lifestyle out there in California, I'm telling you. So I have a question first for um, for Chase. Now, Chase, here you are. I mean, I'm listening to you and Corey talk, and, and here you are. You sound like Stephen King, brother. You're writing all these books like crazy. Here's what I want to know. Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. Let's do it. I want to know... Were you intimidated when you first thought about writing a book? And what advice do you have for others about writing a book? So the first book was not supposed to be a book. It was just a bunch of blogs that I cobbled together. And I paid somebody 300 bucks to kind of like, you know, do the Amazon book thing. And um, so I was like, well, if I make 100 bucks. You know, it's 100 bucks I didn't have that I could put towards my niece. Maybe I invest it and it becomes a couple hundred bucks, you know, down the road. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't, so I didn't know what to expect when, uh, when it just took off. And, you know, my, you know, I thought my friends and family would all buy it because they, yeah, they right? should. Your friends and family should be buying your book. And they did. But then when, you know, when it started rolling, and I still, I mean, I still get people connect with me that they read the book and it's, it's eight years old. By the way, there's like seven typos in that book. The first one, Pull the Trigger. Uh-huh. And uh, people still, you know, still grab it. I still, you know, I can see my sales and I still see people saying, and then, you know, I, I was intending to write a book when I wrote Try Harder. That was 100% going to be a book the entire time. So I took it very serious and it's a little bit more of a polished uh, work. Maybe not so much as raw as the first book, but, um, but a little bit more of a, a, a polished uh, piece. So anybody who's thinking about writing a book, this is the conversation I have with a lot of people, which is don't overthink it. Don't get crazy. Just write it because somebody people are like, I, I got the story and I want to do it. And I, and I got this thing. And I'm like, good, write it. Well, what about a publisher? I'm like, just just write it, put it, you birth it, put it, make it real, put it on paper, make it real, type it into your computer and then we'll talk. And then Chase, you book. are, you are ridiculous. We are so grateful that you <laughs> are on this program. Listen, don't forget to join us on Wednesdays on Clubhouse for Innovation and Audio with Skip Dillard. He's with WBLS and Hot 97 in New York City. As usual, we will have two guests, just like what you're hearing tonight, but just like normal for our innovation and audio, only one will be from radio itself. The other is usually someone who handles and works consistently with innovation itself and may or may not be tied directly to radio or even audio itself. It's our way to give you a different perspective about change, pivoting, creativity itself, and of course, innovation. This Wednesday, just two days from now, November the 10th, we have Grant Dutson, who is the creative director, get this, of something called Chorus Agency in London, England. So we're going to have a little accent when it comes to our Wednesday broadcast. You want to be back for that. Right now, Alec, you got a question for somebody on our panel? Yeah, I do, Lloyd. Thank you. And let me say, as always, this is such an intimate setting. And it reminds me, as we hear stories from your great guests, how we're all intertwined. And Dennis, I want to throw a question your way. It's kind of a softball, uh, no pun intended. But I want to also say that uh, I had a chance, as you did, to spend uh, quite a bit of time with Bruce Gilbert. Uh, I was the 
general sales manager for the ticket for 12 years and most recently mm-hmm. director of sales for Cumulus in Dallas. So I have a great appreciation for Bruce as you do. He is definitely a sharp guy. And your time in Raleigh uh, with Capital, that was my first job in radio in San Antonio many years ago. And I know you know Brian Maloney, and he's another great guy in our business. So Wow, small world, Alec. Small world. It is a small world, Dennis. But you mentioned something else. You, you talked about your wife being in sales and the wonderful support you get and have gotten from her. And one of the things, as we all know over the years, is there's always this potential for uh, a little bit of friction between sales and programming. What was your experience in working with sales, especially with a wife in sales? That probably gave you an advantage in terms of that interdepartment, uh, in, interdepartmental uh, relationship, right? Yeah, it really did, Alec. And, you know, when I got to Raleigh, and this goes for almost every building that I've ever been with, and I'm sure that a lot of programmers and honor people can relate there's not a lot of crossover. And, you know, you always talk about that walking in a person's shoes to really understand them. And our air talent in Raleigh did not visit the sales pit at all. There wasn't any crossover talk. There wasn't any visiting. There wasn't any relating. There wasn't any respect. So we basically demanded that you go visit them back there in the sales pit. See how they're doing. Can I do anything for you? Did you listen to the show? Did the client like that endorsement? And when they did that and they put out their hand of kindness and respect and can I do anything for you? Well, guess what happened? The money started rolling in. The endorsement started kicking in. And there was at least an understanding of respect and relationship that we can work together. We might be really different but we have the same goal and that's to win. And I encourage all the people out there that are listening to make sure that your air talent is regularly visiting with the very hardworking salespeople because folks, it might be one of the hardest jobs on the planet. I can never do it. I watch my wife do it every day, could never ever do it. I'm not wired that way, but she loves to make money, and so do all these other salespeople that work in radio and television and audio and web and everything else. They want simple acknowledgement. Back to our conversation about being oh, noticed, yeah. Agn- acknowledging them, giving them respect. What can I do for you? Because once you do that, once you bridge the gap of that, that old sales and programming butting heads and you find some common ground, and that's to help each other out so we can both win – everybody's going to be a lot better and you're going to have a lot more harmony. Listen, you see a salesperson, they've taken at least one ass whooping by the time they see you. And, and to actually show them appreciation is such a huge deal. I said it at the beginning of this live broadcast, you know, about content is king and then revenue is king they might be the twins of our business for sure and both are so critically important that they are pulling together in one unit we do try to keep things to about an hour we boy do we have two great guests tonight one of the great things about our live events is that you can listen no one is required to ask questions i do want to thank you for joining us every monday at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific for the radio rally remember if you know somebody that you would like to see as a guest on the radio rally email me it's easy ford at rainmakerpathway.com we do hope that you're going to have a great week we like to say this at rainmaker pathway and on the radio rally once you have a radio station 
you can get anything else you want. A big thank you to the very amazing Corey Dillon uh, for being a great co-host for this event. I hope that she will be back with us. Our thanks to Chase and to Dennis for being our patient and giving guest. And a very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should be available in the next 24 hours, probably sooner. He's really fast at this, I promise you. And to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share our podcast, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast with others you know that are interested in growing their careers in audio. This is the place to get encouraged. Both podcasts are available right now on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please Remember this, if you don't remember anything else, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers, and good night.